This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, standing in for regular host, Ian Kroll, who's currently sunning himself in America after tying on to his wonderful bride, now wife, Kaylee, on Friday. Everyone from the View from the Galaxy podcast would like to congratulate Ian and Kaylee on their marriage and we wish them all the best and happiness going forward. This week I'm joined by two regulars on the show who sadly had the misfortune of enduring a Friday night watching Everton. <laughs> Sitting in front of me is Connor Bennett. You okay, you okay you Connor? Right, yeah. Not too bad. And Paul Wheelock. You okay, Paul? I'm all right, mate. Thanks very much. They'll be looking back on Friday night's disappointing defeat to Aston Villa, Wednesday's League Cup tie against Lincoln and Sunday's upcoming Premier League clash against Wolves at Goodison Park. But lads, there's only one place to start and that is on Friday night at Villa Park. The Blues suffered their first Premier League defeat of the season going down 2-0 to Dean Smith's side. Connor, was that as bad as it gets? Uh, yeah, it was a bit shambolic to say the least because for the first 10-15 minutes we were the better team and really you think if we score there we've probably go on to win that quite comfortably but we did as Everton do and just let them into the game and Everything that we thought we'd seen from the first two weeks, where we were solid defensively and really good at midfield, just was lacking. We didn't have, we didn't do the basics correct, and it was just absolutely awful to watch. What first shot on target came in about the 67th, 70th minute, really poor. Um, just a complete departure from what we've seen already this season, and you've got to think where's gone, where has gone wrong there. Paul, is is it alarming the fact that after such a not a great start, but you know, certainly steps in the right direction. That that they can produce such performance like this on Friday from the, you know, the the, the sort of back pattern after the one 0 grinding out against Watford to to that you know the chance to go top as well. Everything signs it seems to be playing into Everton's hands, and yet they produce a performance like that. Is it worrying as a, as a fan that that the, the side Marco Silva side is still capable of producing that type of performances? It was the performance, wasn't it? You know, like you can lose games at early starts of the season, like even though Villa have had a poor start losing to it was Friday night, they had a great crowd there. There was always a possibility we could drop points, but it was just as I say, the manner of the, of the display it was just. I'm struggling to actually put a finger on the last time we played that badly across a whole game, you know. I know Marco, after the game, like pointed to the fact that Dom Dominic Cavalier had his big chance and, you know, we will be hit the post and Walcott should have scored. And, and and at that point, if those two have put the chances away, it's 2-1 and we've gone away with an ugly win, but we didn't deserve anything. You know, we just did not deserve anything. And the worrying thing for me, it's, it's, it's over a number of years now. I remember listening to uh, the Raw Blue podcast leading into the game and Sam Carroll who's obviously been on this this podcast himself and he said like it'd be just typical Everton Everton that to go to Villa chance to go top of the league going into the weekend and drop points after having clean sheets you know a decent start and it just felt like yeah that was typical Everton I hate saying that because it's negative and I don't want to be negative but the, I bet I wasn't the only one who 20 minutes in after they scored just thought well, you know the the, the writings on the wall here, and it was just—it was just really disappointing. And I just—I felt, given all those clean sheets we've had, and as we said, pretty decent start, the great end to last season. I just felt we were a bit better than that, and it made me think coming away from the game, you know, maybe we're not. Kind of Paul alluded to it there, you know, Dominic Calvert Lewin squares an absolute Sitter. massive chance to sit there in after what twenty-five minutes. You know, yeah. he's got the half a goal to play for, and he somehow. For me, I, I felt on Friday night that looking, you know, back on social media and what fans were saying, and I know 
people have their own opinions on, on, on people fans sharing the views on social media. But it felt to me as though the fan ties was, was changing a little bit with Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the sense that Garnet, the, you know, praised Lafa's hard work and his ability and the effort he puts in, which he does, you know, no one can knock on that. But it felt as though fans were kind of saying, no, enough's enough now. We need to get Moise Keane from the start and give him a run of games and, and hope that he can score scoring goals because Calvert-Lewin's had his chances and he's ultimately not took them. Yeah, yeah, I've agreed there because people I've seen tweets like comparing him to like Marcus Spence and um, Stuart Barlow and stuff like that. I'm thinking, oh, it can't be that bad. And you actually look at the photo, you think of oh, his appearance, a goal race. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, as you say, there is the like um, praise of his hard work has gone. I don't, I don't know why because he did hard, he did work hard on on Friday, and that misses as bad as maybe. Well, I say as bad. You see that Walcott one was equally, if not worse, on Friday. So you think, where, where does he go from here now? But yeah, it is time now where we're thinking, right, where's Keane? But he's 19 and, what, two years younger than Calvert-Lewin? Like, and we're relying on two lads there who mm. who were babies in football to kick us on to fifth, sixth, maybe even higher. It's because you can't look at Tosin or Nias as a, as a realistic option. All right, fair enough, Tosin might play tomorrow night or whatever. Like, Calvert-Lewin's time is sort of gone and it's weird because he's so young. And he can be, as we've seen, a, a player who performs well for us. But what he's going to do now moving forward, I haven't got a clue because he he, he needs to sort something out in his game. Paul, kind of alludes to it there in, in terms of we're, we're putting our hopes on two babies lead, leading the line. Looking at the, the bigger picture, is, is that another, another floor of the, the transfer window just gone for the club that they didn't sign? A proven experienced player? Okay, they, they've recruited one of the hottest young prospects in European football but that they didn't maybe make that a little bit more of an effort to, to bring that real, well-experienced well, well centre-forward in. It's, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because, yeah, I agree with everything that Connors just had to say then. You know, you go for someone like the lad West Ham have gone for and, mm-hmm. you know, they got a couple of goals, didn't they? Or the, the Hallad, isn't it? Yeah, or the, even yeah. the Newcastle won £40 million for Joe Linton. And to be fair, it was pretty clear that we didn't have that money to spend. You know, there was a lot of rumours about us going to 50, 60, 70 for Sahar, but it, it clears there was some incest there. And then once the price was kind of set, we, we backed away from that. And as Marco Silva said himself, that I think we had a net spend of 28 million come the end of the transfer window. So to me, that suggests that we probably didn't have the money to go and sign a 40, 50 million. But, but as I say, Connor's right. It's putting a lot of pressure on Moise Keane because he's an Italy international. He's played for Juventus. But as you say, we are all looking at him as the saviour now because Calvert-Lewin has had a, a really good run in the team, I think, from around February time. I think that goal against Cardiff when we won 3-0 after that long break. And he's had enough chances now to show that he's a proven goal scorer. We all know he works very, very hard. And we all know he leads the line excellently. But he just does not look like scoring. And when you've got Sigurdsson out of form as he is and Richardson not really starting, and I know Bernard's not only goal scorer this season, but he's not that big a goal threat. You really need your centre forward to score, and I know what you're saying, mate. It, it, it did feel like on on Friday that was his chance. You know, on first inspection, you just think well, I should score, but they've kicked it off the line. But then when you see that angle from behind mm. the net, it's not difficult, is it? Oh. For a, and and at the end of the day, he is young, but he's the Everton number nine, and with that comes massive pressure. And at the moment, he just does not look a natural goal scorer. So. Silva's got the option now. He's if if he's going to persist with him, how long do you do it if he's not scoring? But the only other option to me is to throw Keane in there. You know, what what are we protecting him for? I know me and you spoke before the podcast started, mate. I'd be playing him at Lincoln on Wednesday night. 
there was another player there you mentioned, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Now, a segment of this show was, was put on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where we discussed Gilfie Sigurdsson and, and debated his, his role in the team and, and his future in the team in, in some respects. And it was pretty clear that it was a divided opinion. There was a, probably a lot more in favour of you know, why we're asking the question so early about someone. But we saw on Friday night, 62 minutes, one o'clock, when he was replaced by Alex Iwobi and Adam Jones of the Liverpool Echo you know, wrote a piece last night saying the Iwobi signing, you know, not could signal the end for, for Sigurdsson, but could certainly see him pushed out or, you know, almost find himself not as a regular starter. Again, it was another ominous display from from Sigurdsson on, on Friday night, wasn't it, Connor? It was one of them ones where you kind of want him to take the game by the scruff of the neck, but you, you kind of didn't know he was on the pitch at times. Yeah, I don't think he's had a good start of the season at all, though. No, like, no. Friday was a tipping point for sort of how invisible he was at um, Palace after that miss, because he didn't, he didn't do anything on, on that game. And then Watford, he got about, but he wasn't in it again. And that sort of that's been my problem with Sigurdsson for a while is... In games, he cruises where you, you know he's on the pitch because obviously you've seen him in the start 11, but then you don't really figure out, like, why haven't we got a, a player on the ball there who, who's mm. played in Calvert-Lewin, who's played in Richardson? Yeah. And it's it's very much a problem for us because we're hamstrung to play him because he can't play anywhere else. Let's be honest about it. We've tried to play him on the wing. doesn't work. He hasn't got the legs to play in centre midfield. And we've got players who sort of fit a system with Silva where he likes to get the ball from the defence and play it forward. Sigurdsson should really be the pivot between the attack and defenders, we know it's the 10, but he doesn't do it. Mm. And there's too many games where, like Friday night, where you think, all right, you, we spent £45 million, pounds, whatever, you've scored down many Premier League goals, you got 14 last season, whatever, get on this ball and drag us to this game and pull us through it. But he doesn't do that and fair enough to have a go with him, but even Richarlison was absolutely stinking as well because you look at them two and you think, right, you should be able to take anyone apart outside of like, the top six in this league, like, to drag us through games and neither of them have this season yet and you just sort of wonder now if if he t- if he doesn't turn up on Sunday let's say do you really think about dropping him for the world be moving forward because he looked he looked pretty good moving forward with the ball and taking players on and linking linking passages to play so is he really on new number 10 Paul that was that was one thing through the week when I think myself Ian and, and Mark Cotty spoke about Sigurdsson and you know, that there was a bit of a backlash, people saying it's too early, we're too early into the season, etc., etc. But if you were to get to go to some park on Sunday for the Wolves game and Gilfie Sigurdsson was to be on the bench, would you be surprised? No, because he's just not played well enough. You know, no, you can't be in the team on reputation alone. And the, the, the like caveat to it is the fact that he scored a lot of goals last season. He was, if not the top goal scorer in midfield in the Premier League, he was one of the top goal scoring midfielders in the Premier League, along with people like Pogba. So no one's questioning his ability, but you, Connor, you just got it absolutely spot on. It's the thing that winds me most up about Sigerson because I think he's a really good footballer. He's got technical ability in abundance. Why doesn't he scream for the ball? Like I watch, get you watch games and like. Sigurdsson you watch a lot because he is the person you as you said kind of like, where's Sigurdsson where's Sigurdsson and to me if I'm the number 10 in a team I am the main man I'm the playmaker I'm, he's got the best shot in the team hasn't he from distance to me he just doesn't look like he wants the ball enough you yeah. know it's okay pressing and the stats prove how successful we were at pressing last season particularly in the, the second half it comes with a territory again Calvert-Lewin's the number 9 it comes with a territory the Everton number 10 record, record signing the simple fact is he should be doing more at the moment. And Awobi, I think it was there was a stat on oh, uh, uh, on Twitter. More complete passes, more 29 complete, passes. In, yeah, Awobi, wasn't it? The, the, you know, the fact he did more 
in an attacking sense in that short period of time that Sigurdsson's done in three games. And no one's writing Sigurdsson off. No one's saying he's a bad player, but he's just he's, he's a good player playing really poorly. And to me, unless something happens on Wednesday night where he plays him and he has a storm and he picks his form up, gets a couple of goals against Lincoln, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the bench on Sunday. And I'd, I'd be quite disappointed because I don't know what message that sends out because he's just had three really, really poor performances. I suppose then, looking at the positives, because there was a couple of positives on Friday night and certainly one of them was the introduction of Alex Iwobi. It was a transfer that I think it's safe to say raised plenty of eyebrows among Evertonians, some, some questioning where they come from, the initial, you know, the late move, the late bid, etc. But he was really, there was signs of real promise there on Friday night when I thought when he come on and the, the injection of pace that he offered Everton and he was unlucky not to get himself on the score sheet. And is that something now that we can kind of cling on to and hope that we can build on that little burst, Paul, of, of energy that we, we perhaps haven't had so far this season? Yeah, you, you do watch us at times and it, it kind of hit home to me again on Friday how, how like, uh, much emphasis we place on the wings. You know, like, if Coleman and, and Dean don't get in, like, we find it hard to break teams down. Like, and I thought they were two of the better players, if that's the mm. right word, on, on, on Friday night. They weren't, they didn't stink the place out like a lot of the, the midfielders and attackers did. And, but oh, well, it was just something different, wasn't it? Like, you know, like picking up the ball, like he did across the edge of the, the penalty area, cutting inside. He was unlucky with a post. He just had good movements. And it, it, it just, it felt like if he can play like that, why haven't the established players played like that? And, it, it may, you might be right, you know, maybe Sigurdsson, Richarlison and the other players have believed the hype a little bit because, you know, last season they got all the plaudits in the running and rightly so uh, because of the way they played and the clean sheets and everything. And then even the start of this season, they've, they've, they've had the places again. So it might be just a kick up the backside a couple of them needed. No, but you, you're totally spot on, mate. I thought Awobi and Keane to a lesser extent were the two positives on, on, on Friday night. So there weren't many. We might only three games into the, the, the Premier League season, Connor, but do you think this already, this is never seen us crying out for some fresh blood, a bit of fresh impetus, because a lot of the lads who've been given the start to, who performed so well, like, like Paul alluded to there last year, simply haven't done it. Is, is it too early to swing the axe, or should Marco Silver be ruthless and just think, no, actually, this isn't working and it's time to inject some fresh blood? No, I think I think it is kind of fresh blood because as we've seen on Friday, not one new signing outside of Andre Gomes, if you can call him a new signing, started. And you thought, well, this is a team, as we've already said, that ended last season really well, starting this season. So when we introduce a Wobie and Keane, they are our two brightest players by far. And obviously we missed Gambon because he performed really well in, in the Watford game. Like, you're just thinking, well, we've got these players in to change this team around. Where are they now? And obviously injuries have played a part and late deals and fitness and X, Y and Z. But it is kind of for the team, a, a player now who, or players who are going to step up and say, well, you're only here on merit because of what you did last season. I want your place. And if that is sort of like the message from maybe like, let's say a Wobie and Kings that are probably the two closest now or maybe even Delph, that's going to give everyone else a kick up the backside. You are right. And that is sort of already like, uh, as we said before, if we lose this Lincoln game and then you're looking at Wolves as maybe three defeats in a row, if they played really well, we're under pressure again. And now you are looking at Keane, Delph, Awobi, Gammon when he comes back as our, as our saviours. And they've, they've not even been, let's say, at the club three months. So it it, it is it is in need of fresh, but, but you sort of need to be careful in what you do. You can't just go out, oh, get rid of him, him and him. Mm. Needs a time to bed him, but they do need to play play regular football straight away, sort of 
in the attacking sense more than anyone else. I suppose then, you know, looking at it to, to Wednesday night, it's, it's Lincoln City away in the second round of, of the Carabao Cup. Central Bank will be absolutely rocking, I imagine, full house. You lose it to there making changes. Marco Silva, many people's opinion will maybe not make the changes that he may have done before the Aston Villa game because he doesn't want to lose two on the bounce and going into Goodison. But for me, I think he'd be stupid to make changes anyway. I think it's, it's we should be playing a full strength, mm. full strength yeah. team that we can get. Yeah. Now, Connor, it, this is this is a massive game. This isn't it. People will look at this and think a Premier League club going to a, a League One side, you know, it should be a pretty a walkover. But you know, without sounding too negative, we've all seen whatever they're capable of over the years in the League Cup and yeah, the FA Cup, especially when it comes to giant killings. And this is a massive game for Marco Silva's side tomorrow night, isn't it? Make, make no no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've seen what happened last year at Millwall. Like that, that sort of should set the tone now for where, as long as he's manager, he cannot take these cup games um, very uh, easily because we want to, like. We'll say this every season before the season starts when season, and when it kicks off. We want success. We want a trophy. Approaching nearly 30 years without a trophy. And you look at this now, Lincoln should be an absolute walkover for the Premier League side. All right, they are a tricky side and we've seen that in the FA Cup last season. Mm. They do play a bit. But you're looking like this team now can contain players, 30, 40 million pounds. You'll be going there and just 3-0 by half-time and walking off. But it's Everton. We won't do that. <laughs> like, we won't do that. We will, ne- we will never win this Carlin Cup in my lifetime. I've accepted the it. The Carabao Cup now, Carlin. Still, it's still the Carlin. It's still the Carlin to me. Like, so... Like, Little bit's cup to me. You are looking at this game on Wednesday night and thinking, this is a really terrifying prospect. And it's not like we're playing Chelsea, though. We're playing Lincoln away. Like we we should be confident, but you don't know. Like what what are we gonna what what Everton team is gonna turn up on Wednesday night? That's the big question. If if they turn if they turn up in form and realise how good they are, we'll win. If we turn up and we think, oh, we should win this, but Millwall, we won't, we'll get beat. And it'll be an absolute pressure four weeks into the season. Paul, kind of use the fr- the term then. It's a terrifying prospect. <laughs> are, are you as nervous to, heading into tomorrow yeah, night's well, game as, as Connor or are you? Me, well, you know what I feel, you know our feelings, don't you? Me and him were sitting before in the office, and then Guy Clark, who's just started the Echo now, he's like a he's an Arsenal fan, and he was just hearing us two talking. He was like. What are you talking about? You'd be going to the Bernabeu. It was a central bank taking link on and we just went. You can tell you don't watch Everton. Like it's just, it's similar to Friday. It's just, I want us to be that side that goes to Villa on Friday night and just goes, we're better than you. You know, all right, we're not unfortunately as good as City, Liverpool, Tottenham, but we're better than Villa. We are, you know, well, I hope we are, but it's the same on Wednesday. We should be going there with no fear, not be like terrified of going to, to League One Lincoln. Only the players can can change that. Only the players. And I think it's, yeah, it, it sounds crazy to people who probably listen to this who, who weren't Evertonians. You'd be like, God, you've, you've lost one game to start the season. You talk about going to Lincoln and it, it could be panic, but we're desperate for success. And like Friday proved it to me, like my lad's six and like he's a, he's an Everton fan through and through now. Like even if, I didn't, even, I know, even if that's what my dad Poor says lads. all the time, even if I didn't want him <laughs> to be, he for. is. I know, well, he, he's got to go what I've gone through, hasn't he? Let's face it. But like he was absolutely over, he was like, we could go top. We could go top of the Premier League into the weekend. I was like, yeah. Mm. And like, even that small little bit of joy, mm. just to be like, we could be sitting second now, couldn't we? Because obviously Liverpool won again. But, nothing straightforward is it I just want it to be straightforward I just want to be able to go just not even be worried about Lincoln tomorrow night and like Sky aren't stupid are they they know they're trying to set it up aren't they and we know we'll have all that before the kickoff but Connie you're right we we 
we should remember who we are and even remember that first half an hour in the FA Cup tie against last January because we could have been four or five up and then the lads started bullying, didn't he? Mina, it was Mina that day, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Zuma, but it was definitely Mina because Mina had a tough time of it, didn't he? And then the second half, it was just like we were hanging on at times. We brought McCarthy and Tosh on at half-time, he didn't Because yeah. he, <laughs> he was worried about was it. Too, that's typical. We were two on up winning the cup tie and he brought two of the first-team players on. It's just... There's got to be a response. That's what I'm trying. That's what I'm hopeful about. That he must know, Silver. That that wasn't acceptable on Friday. And as I say, we're not going overboard here. But the performance was that bad that it made it a bit like, oh my god, what's happening here? The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think then look, you know, looking at the. We're not calling for for wholesale change like you know a lot of Premier League clubs often tend to do in this competition, but I think for me personally, I, I'd be really looking forward to seeing a Wobie and, and Mosey Keane let loose uh, tomorrow night and, and giving it a run out because there is something there with the pair of them. You'd be seeing the injection of pace, and for me, I think it'd be a really good chance for them to get a foothold of English yeah. football. And yeah, you know, yeah, okay, it's not the most probably prettiest places that they've ever played football at. But it's a chance for them to bed themselves in and get themselves going. Is there anyone else you, you, the pair of you see potentially getting the nod over someone who, who, who's played so far or a change that maybe um, might come a bit obscure, but from not, S- I don't know. I think we might be the only, would really be the only change. I don't want to see Kevin Morales. Don't need to see oh. Kevin Martina. I don't need to see Martin Stecklenberg. <laughs> <laughs> if Silva said Sadibi's fit, so sort of mm. give him a chance. And if he struggles, then you've got Coleman as a backup, and it's not a terrible option. Both, yeah, it'll probably be a Wobi and Keane, and maybe Delphi if he's going to be fit instead of uh, Schneiderlin because I don't need to see him again. No, no, like Schneiderlin to me, like I think Friday was the kind of realization how much we're going to miss. Uh, it's just a Ghana guy, like you know, like Schneiderlin. I think guy looking at now carried him at the back end of the last season, and I know he's there's again one of those stats knocking about where Schneiderlin played in the side up to Friday's game. We seem to get good results. But I just, I looked at that midfield on Friday when Snyder and Gomez just didn't work, did it? You know, they were just so pedestrian. I was, Gomez just had his worst game in an Everton shirt by absolute far, but let's hope it's just a one-off. Yeah, if Dell's fit, he's got to play for me. He's yeah. got to play tomorrow night and hopefully he'll get a bit of leadership in there, get a grip of the game. Sadibi won't be a bad shout, you know, because... He's obviously got a lot of pedigree being a, a, a World Cup winner. He was with the World Cup winner, wasn't he, with yeah. France? He was in that squad. Yeah, keen. Keen and Keen and Awo be definite starts, but after that we're kind of like struggling a little bit, aren't mm. we? Because the injuries have have hit home. Like you probably you can't really make too many changes at the moment, you know. And like on Friday, like Walcott came on, but he's just not the answer, is he? Like I don't know what we're going to learn. I still think I'd rather try and play Richarlison into form. Like, but maybe you need to rest. Maybe you play Walcott if you think Richarlison needs a rest. But I just think Silver, he's got to play. His, a strong side or his strongest side possible because then if we do do the unthinkable and lose, at least he's got that to fall back on. He's like because Southampton last year, like I was fuming with him walking out mm-hmm. the game because we've been here before, haven't we? And we've lost in the early rounds of the, the League Cup and he didn't pick a strong enough team that night. I think Dow played and he didn't look strong enough. He changed the keeper as well, didn't he? I yeah. think. And it's just, I don't want to see that on Wednesday at the very least. While we're on the squad, obviously the club announced today that Gene... Felipe Gavin is well. It it seems mixed mixed news in terms of how long Silver spoken his press conference about six to eight weeks. There's been a report that it could be up to three months. 
just how much football O'Connor is that so early on in the season to lose someone who, who you've almost been you've almost been brought in as an Idris Sagana guy replacement. Massive blow because he, he started the season well after that sort of like indifferent performance going off the bench against Palace and you were thinking we've got a player here he plays himself into form after that Watford game but um sorry not into form into into fitness because he obviously hadn't had a preseason and yet it was just it's massive because like he's never going to replace what Gay did but he sort of gives us a bit more going forward I I thought anyway like a bit more positive than Gay ever was and you think oh, this might 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 just work this. And it's obviously going to be a blow for him because he's adapting to a new club, a new a new background and stuff. And now he's got to sort of get mentally prepared to come back from injury. So it's an absolutely massive blow. Paul, I think the the big thing for me I stuck out with, with Gavin was a Crystal Palace away, the first game of the season. He was a surprise inclusion in the the eighteen man squad. He was on the bench, names on the bench, despite the fact that I think he barely trained that week. He, you know, he barely been involved. And he seemingly got the nod over Tom Davis at half time. And for me, that, that kind of showed a lot of Marco Silva's thinking in the fact that he was prepared to put someone on who wasn't 100% match fit. You know, is, is no doubt probably struggling with the language to come and just, just move over to England over someone who we'd effectively given a new contract to a couple of months ago. Yeah. You know, was really bigged up at one point and, and has been in and around the Premier League now for, a, what, two or three years. The fact that he was given the nod over Tom Davis for me spoke. Spoke volumes about how much silver season in Gavin. Yeah, I totally agree, mate. And, I, and even I took on on the Palace game spot on. Even on Friday night, like I mentioned then about Gomez, like he was just having a stinker, mm. wasn't he? And I thought it might be time to bring Davis on because yeah. he can't. He, he he will definitely improve on Gomez's performance. But you're right; you do wonder what the future is there for him. But it's a bit like Calvert Lewin for me, Tom Davis. And I would probably won't be talking too lot much about him because he isn't one of the big talking points. But again. It, I, he needs to do more for me when I've mm. seen him even last season like I know he, but Silver maybe Silver sees him Silver was talking about and Davis was talking about in the summer wasn't he sees him more himself as an attacking midfielder now but to me that looks like a Wobie's position so all of a sudden you're wondering if you're Tom Davis where you're going to get in that side maybe tomorrow night will be a chance for him you know we didn't mention him a minute ago but if Snydlin if Delph's not fit Snydlin Gomez will probably start at the weekend rightly or wrongly so maybe it's a chance for Tom Davis tomorrow but no you're right it's uh, it, it did speak volumes it's the centre midfield's a bit of a concern for me because if Gomez is off form we don't know what Delph's going to be like we don't know how fit he's going to be we look a bit light in there particularly with the new lad being out for a long time and I know they were talking six to eight weeks in the press conference but just the way they were talking about it, are going to see a specialist and stuff like that? It just didn't sound good. I suppose, before we look ahead to, to the weekend's game, the European transfer window is still open. It's open until September the 2nd. Are we hopeful that we will be able to get some of the dead wood off the wage books before before the closure of Round the Constant? Because there's, it, I know it's, it's hard to believe, but there is still a lot, a lot of players <laughs> yeah. at the football club who seemingly have no future within the first team set up with the club I know we saw Kevin Morales playing right back during pre-season it's <laughs> not got that bad just yet we it? saw yeah. Romani Astley in the line it was against Monaco and stuff like that so they, they they were involved but there's seemingly no future for these players at the club moving forward are we hopeful that Marcel Brands can work as Magic in the other, the other way around in the transfer market this time I hope so but who's going to take them like like, like realistically who's going to take players you're on Stupid money to to not do anything. Morales' chance came and went when he went back to Olympiacos, a club where he's adored, and they wanted him gone after yeah. like mm-hmm. four weeks. 
no one's going to say Humani asked like, like like Palace have tried for three years, but that's not it. Never happened. It's not going to happen. Like rumours about loans to Turkey always come up, but it, when 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 are we ever going to get rid of these players? At, at this point, we're just going to like like someone like Sanzo who's out, is out on loan. We're going to end up paying these off now for however long they're left on the contract and releasing them. Like, where did that Stecklenburg to Madrid rumour come from? Like, that's not that's never going to happen, is it? No one's going to take Mark and Ste- Mark and Ste- Martin Stecklenberg off our hands at this point in time because he's awful and he's on stupid money. <laughs> well, he was given a new contract by the club, though, kind of. You know, give him an Alice one as well. Uh, <laughs> he's still you know, paying for that. It, 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 are these, you know, again, are these the fundamental flaws that have been in this football club for a number yeah. of years? That yeah. we well, are still looking at some of these players and and you look at the contracts they've been given. You know, you look at Yannick Palassi, Kuko Martinez. Kevin Morales has mentioned Martin Stecklenberg. There's a there's a whole host of names here who, who oh. one way or another wangled big money big money deals out of the football club, and it's almost as if again Silver and Marcel Brands are picking up the pieces of of a flawed system of, of years gone by. Oh, definitely because like we were talking about, we should have bought a big name strike in the summer, but like it's as I was saying, it's clear the money it might be there, mm. but at the end of the day, I know City may be. Uh, kind of flaunting the system at the moment or just allegedly flaunting the system with the way they've got away with FFP but you, you do have to stick by the rules and like the amount of money that we've probably wasted in that big summer well at first we were all quite excited about it but it became pretty clear then we bought quite a lot of duds and it's the wages you know it's like the, the length of the contract as well like the fact that Morales seems to have been around for absolutely ages now doesn't he, he must be he he might, you a testimonial well, next that, summer that'd be classic wouldn't it if we give Morales a testimony before Baines and Jagielka <laughs> just to let him go man. Maybe, like, give him one last payoff. It could be the way to get him gone. But I don't know. Like, it's Balassi as well. Like, another one. Like, it's just... Because there, there, uh, there, there, there is seemingly a divide, isn't there, at the club? Because, you know, you lose it to yourself there, Paul. Be just before that. We look thin on the ground. We, we look a little bit, you know, especially across the middle. Yeah. We, we look thin on the ground. And that's always a worry. So early on in the season is that when you're looking, you're looking thin on the ground. But, yeah, there's a whole host of players here who just rattled off, who, who can't even make the bench. So... There's, and that can't surely can't be good for team morale and, and team spirit at the training ground, can it? If you've you've got such a divide, there must be four or five of them saying on their own, mustn't they? Oh. Like or with the youth team squad, or you know, because not many of them. I know Nias. I think by all accounts, Nias is a good character, and like, but you know, like Balassi, did you see his tweet after the game? Yeah, like you you don't know what that means, so you can only speculate. Mm. But it didn't seem good either, did it? You know, was it like oof or something yeah. like that. Like it's just. And don't get me wrong, his career got cut, like stuck in the sacks, didn't it, when he got that bad injury? But I just don't know why none of these players going out on loan and like ripping it up. It, 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 it's like, you know, they're clearly not wanted. Why not go out there? They've got the contracts with Everton, sort of laughing, aren't they? They're on big money and they will be until the, the contract ends. Why aren't they going out there and like ripping up trees? But none of them are, are they? None of them. And that- Man, I also had two last seasons, and it's a Fjordentine and Olymp- well, well, Olympiacos recently, and just absolutely just awful. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's interested in playing for anyone else, bar well, like sitting off and getting money. Like there's no, as, as Paul says there, there's no one out there who's proven like they can go and get a contract elsewhere because they're all sort of in that range now where they're thinking, oh well, I'm on sixty, seventy grand a week, and I've got maybe three years left of of my career, and I've got eighteen months left on my contract. I will leave this now, and then I'll go and play somewhere else. There's no impetus from them to sort of book the career up because we have been too wasteful in giving them all sorts of money. And we could sit here for two, three hours and talk about it and debate, do we need to tell him him and him? But 
we're going to go round in circles in Jan- until January because we're not going to get rid of any of these now until what, September 2nd. Well, Ashley, Ashley Williams hasn't got a club, has he? He's no. Bristol City. Oh, has he gone, yeah, has yeah, he yeah. gone there? Is oh, he, that's quite he, a good move, actually, gone. then, fair. Yeah, he signed like, two days ago. I didn't realise that. Well, that's actually quite a good move. That kind of, like, uh, makes a mockery of my point. But, it, 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 but, like, but it's true, though. Like, you know, these players... They've kind of got the retirement plans with Everton, haven't mm. they? You know, like they, they, they've got their massive payday. And like, I know I, I have a degree of sympathy for players because they can be treated like meat as well. Like if a new yeah. manager doesn't fancy you, you can get pushed out. But have any of those players ever, we've said, ever really done it for Everton? Certainly, Balassi, Morales, you know, Nias. He's just not very good, is he? Like Nias with the greatest respect in the world. It's just, yeah, it, it just sometimes you have to remember that he was probably going to take another year, 18 months till they're off the books and then, you know, we might make a bit of headway in terms of more signings. Okay, then look, looking ahead to, to Sunday's game against Wolves, obviously it seems a, a far distance away right now, obviously with the Lincoln game before that, etc. But it'll soon come around and Paul, it, it, this this is one of them ones where it's it's one of intrigue, isn't it? Because the, the Wolves, you know, for me certainly, I was a good person last year when they, they come and they, they beat us comfortably 3-1. It, it probably should have been more and I kind of left Goodison that day thinking, wow, they're everything we need to be. They were well organised, they were fit, they were strong, they were clinical going forward. They were the seventh best team in the Premier League last year. That's effectively where we're aiming for this year, maybe six because of Man United's recent decline and Chelsea obviously having to go a different way. But is this one now of intrigue that we can see just how far we've come and how far we are from potentially bridging that gap? Yeah, definitely, you know, because... For a long time, when they did beat us three one, for a long time in the season, they were they were streets ahead of us, weren't they? even in the league table. And by the end, you know, I think it was that draw at Palace kind of like stopped us from finishing above them. But in the end, we only did finish two points, mm-hmm. and they had a really good season. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah, um, to me, still by the results in Europe, look like they are a better team than us. But that might actually play into our hands because we all know what those Europa League. Thursday nights can do to your form on a Sunday and I follow their local reporter I think it's the Express and Style fella called Tim and he basically did a tweet after the game and he was saying like listen we've through the first three games of the season if we go and beat Torino on Thursday night this Thursday and then get a good result to Everton hasn't that I think that's been a great start and like as we all do you look at the replies mm-hmm. don't you and a lot of people going no it's just not good enough it's just not good enough the performance is not good enough and that made me think well it might it might not actually be a bad time to play them but it, it just comes down to what I was saying earlier whatever happens against Lincoln on Wednesday and I'm, even though we are a bit worried we should still win they still need to perform on Sunday because keep on saying it, but the performance was that bad against Villa. People will have that in the mindset. You know, I know the people I spoke to after the game on Friday who were watching the game, everyone was just really disappointed and downhearted by it because it, we, we know we've got it in us, but it's been a while since we've played like that. So it's a, it's a big game no matter what happens at Lincoln for me on Sunday. Connor, obviously this will be the, the fourth Premier League game that was played Sunday before the international break. 12 points went off before a ball was kicked. The maximum we can get is seven what roughly would you have expected before the ball was kicked out of them four games, bearing in mind the opposition, where you're playing, etc.? Uh, to be honest, I expected to be unbeaten. Eight points. I thought we'll mm. draw the Palace, we'll beat Watford, we'll beat Villa, and then we'll probably eke out a 1-1 on mm. Sunday. But after Villa, I don't really know. I I, I would sort of ex- not expect us to beat Wolves, but be hoping more than anything that we will do because I watched that Burnley game um, Sunday, was it? Mm. 
And they were poor. Mm. They were really poor, and they were lucky to get a draw. To be honest, they could Burnley could have won that two or three 0 if they had took the chances. They obviously Burnley limited going forward, but Wolves just they looked not tired, but out of options because of that tasty trip to Torino. To Torino, yeah. And all right, fair enough. They're at home this time on Thursday after we play Lincoln on Wednesday. And it's a bit easier to to manage, but as Paul said, we know what these Thursday Sundays are like. They're not easy and. They don't really rotate, like even in the cups. They, they have two or three off the bench. You get a chance every week in, um, like Traore and um, Vinagra. Like, mm. well, well, we know what we're going to expect to see from Wolves, but you'd be hoping we we do beat them because they're the sort of side that we are competing with, as you say. And these are teams we need to be beating if we want to push on to achieve what we want to achieve this season. See, you, you say there though, you know, that they're they've been poor. But is this not a reoccurring theme of so far that, that the opposition haven't played? I mean, you know, we, we played Palace on the opening day and we were out to win another draw. And instantly, you know, a lot of the fan reaction was, my God, they were terrible, Crystal Palace. Yet, they're not a million miles behind us on the table right now. Watford, another team who people, you know, were quick to, to point the finger after after the game at Goodison. But yet, they could have easily snatched the point mm. with the chances they had. It, it, are we almost looking at this in the, the wrong way? In, in the sense that, you know, we're quick to point the finger and be moan or you know be little should we say our opposition but if you actually look on paper what we're producing we can't really be sitting there throwing stones in, in the glass house can we at the minute no it's, it's, I think before Villa four points and no goals conceded was a decent start but I think in the heart of hearts we hadn't played particularly well in either game I was away for both but I watched I watched Villa uh, sorry I watched Villa I obviously watched Villa on Friday nights but I was away for the first two and I watched Palace in a bar with like a load of Palace fans mm. and it it was again it was a bit like Villa wasn't it we consoled the game yeah. and we had a few half chance a few good chances but then it just got away from us again and like in the end we were kind of they had chances to win it and it Watford Connie you'll know better than me mate but my uh, mates went with my season ticket instead because I was away and he wasn't that impressed he said it was better than Palace but it still wasn't a yeah. great performance but so maybe that those results kind of masked at the fact that it's not been a great start performance-wise and Friday kind of hit home. But you're right, you can't you can't just lay it on the opposite. If, yeah, Palace were poor. Yeah, Watford have a terrible start, haven't they? Watford, Villa are the poor side. But again, it comes back to, if they are, well, we should just be beating them. If we've got anything about ourselves, we should be beating those kind of sides. Connor, finally then, looking at Ed, what, what, what is the best case scenario for Everton going into this weekend then? Two wins? Yeah, I, 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 that is the best case, but it's Everton and we don't do best case. <laughs> so if you, if you had to... Oh, oh here we go. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. If, you, if you had to judge it then and say, hand on heart, what you, what you think we will be sitting on Sunday night with from the two games, what, what would be your honest prediction? Uh, a win and a draw. Paul? Uh, I think a lot a lot's big on, on Wednesday. If we win on Wednesday without any particular problems me being stupidly optimistic at this early stage of the season I think we could win on Sunday I just think they owe us a performance after Villa if we were to lose on Wednesday all bets are off for me and like like people may think it's ridiculous this early of the season to say that but one of our two chances of a trophy are gone and then there's a chance that that the atmosphere could turn bad. And the atmosphere has been absolutely brilliant, you know, at Goodison ever since probably the derby last season. Yeah. Uh, since the siren? Yeah, yeah since <laughs> the siren, the siren. Get the siren on the pitch, but, you know, but not but not turn bad on, on the players, but 
you know, we've had that bad performance at Villa and then we're to go out with the, the cup, that would be, it's it's not good. That We've got to win on Wednesday. And if we do that, I still think we could beat Wolves given the fact that they, they, they should be tired. We, we've, a lot, we've lost a lot to, over the show of obviously whole fire about players and Malcolm Silva maybe having his hands tied a little bit. But do you think if it wasn't go to go, go to plan by, by Sunday evening, that questions could be rightly asked of the manager going into the international break? Quite possibly, yeah, because then you, let's say, worst, worst case happens, we lose both games. That's three on the spin and really probably three poor performances if we're going to get beaten in them two games. So, yeah, you're looking and thinking, well, why hasn't he sort of lived up to what happened last season? So, yeah, the fingers probably will be pointed. But I, th- I think some fingers are already being pointed anyway after Friday. Mm. And as Paul says, mm-hmm. the always a performance. And that's up to them. They sort of did it last season where they had a few bounce backs. You think, well, right, fair enough. This side's got a bit of character about them, but... Let's see if they've still got it moving forward. I think for, for me though, Paul, I think you, you look at last season, that then performances were kind of alluded to there. It comes to the back end of the season when we seem to have nothing to play for. And for me, that was, for as good as it was, going to Goodison. And like you said there, the atmosphere was fantastic. And it was back, it was Goodison back to its bare pit best in, in my eyes. You know, the, the Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, you know, real grind. I was almost sort of resemblance of the David Moyes era, yeah. if, if, if we're being honest. But for me, then they come at, you know, they come at a time where, Effectively, our season was over. We had nothing to play for. We were just seeing games out. This is a chance now for Everton to really put down a marker, isn't it? And and sort of say that they are serious and they do mean business. And you know they want to be competing for Europe trophies, silverware post February March, isn't it? Not getting to February March and have nothing to play for and then seeing them come into life massively, mate. Because we 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 do kind of tend to forget what happened between the derby and taking in Millwall and then it eventually was the Watford game. We had, we had three mm. bad months. So in that respect, the jury's not out on this team because they had a good start to the last season and a really good end to the... And they've, they've got our trust. Like, you know, we we, we, all, we were so disappointed on Friday because we know we're better than that. We're a better team than that. But yeah, it, it, it's just, if you were to lose three games, of course, any, any manager in the Premier League now or Championship or most top divisions, like if you lose three games in a run and go out to a lower league opposition, you, you're going to come in for a bit of stick. So it wouldn't be an overreaction, as we said. It wouldn't be anything too harsh. It's just that we're Everton, you know, like we, we're not asking, we, we understand that we're not going to win the league. We understand that probably not going to get top four, but we just expect, we do expect a lot and why not? You know, it's a big club. It's an absolute massive club and three games on the, run if we were to go through that it's just not acceptable is it you know really so just hope on Wednesday we we do the business and then we can go into Sunday and like just do the atmosphere it'll be good and let's let's try and beat Wolves okay then to, to finish score prediction for Wednesday uh, 2-1 3-1 and Sunday 2-1 if we if we win 3-1 <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1-1 either way one one either way. If we win or lose, oh, oh. what are you going for, Mason? I think personally, we'll scrape a two nil tomorrow night, but it won't be convincing. And I think score draw Sunday. So that's all for this week's view from the Gallery Street podcast. Massive thanks to Connor. Massive thanks for Paul for coming in. Remember to like, subscribe, and listen to the other shows on our Royal Blue podcast across Acast and iTunes, and we'll be back next week with another View from the Gladys Street. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.